words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here at this combined service. Nice crowd. Uh, Thursday, I got a new prescription. So it's better. I can read better. I can see better. Is, are they transitioning? No? Okay. Because I was outside in the with no sun. Yes, they are. All right. <sighs> I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I, I want to talk to you this morning about this gospel reading. The big idea is be ready. It's later than you think. Be ready. It's later than you think. I know there's lots of issues. There's lots going on in the world today um, from, from all across the spectrum, whether it's international, national, local, personal, whatever it might be. There's lots of things that can attract our attention and even become a distraction. But there's something that we, we always have to be aware of and focus on and know that we have, uh, have it right, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Lord. We need to be reconciled with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to know that that is true for us because we never know what's coming, ever. We think we do, but we this, uh, this parable occurs during the Olivet Discourse. This is right before the Last Supper. Uh, it teaches us about the sudden meeting of the Lord either in death or at the second coming, and there are no second chances. Um, I always say there's no such thing as PME, post-mortem evangelism. Now, God may have another plan, but he didn't reveal that to us in his word. There is, it's, you, you die once and then the judgment. That's what it says. So don't think that you're going to get this, uh, oh, you didn't get the word. Now, what about those who've never heard? That's God's business. But there really is no post-mortem evangelism after you die. The wedding. In Christ's time, uh, it was very different than we, than we have it now. Um, there was an engagement, a betrothal, and then the wedding celebration. And it was really between the fathers. And the fathers would work out the deal, like the bride price and things like that. And so, in a sense, they were married without living together. And so they would spend a year apart this was called the betrothal period, and they couldn't be alone together ever at all, okay? There was no consummation, there was none of that. And the only way out of that was divorce. This is where you get the term, the widow who was a virgin, because she was married, had never been with her husband, he dies, now she's a widow, and she's a virgin just a very, very different thing. So during that time, the year, the husband would go and, and prepare a home, build a home, or add on to his father's house. And then, finally, he goes to get his bride. There's a procession from the bride's home to the new home. And there's singing, and there's dancing, and there's celebration, and it's wonderful. And then it lasts for seven days. They have a wedding reception that lasts for seven days. 
How many of you have ever paid for a wedding reception? Raise your hand. Come on. Seven days. Oh, yeah. So at the end of the celebration, the best man puts the hand of the groom into the hand of the bride. Everyone leaves, and they start their new life together. It's a wonderful thing. The torches that these young ladies would have, there are ten of these young ladies. It's a pole with some wire mesh and some rags, and you needed oil uh, to soak the rags, and then you would light it. In our context today, the girls represent professed Christians who claim they belong to Christ, who claim they are in relationship with him in a meaningful way. They've made preparations for the coming of the groom. They don't know when, but they're ready. And it turns out there were five who were wise, who had oil, and five who were foolish, those who thought they were ready, but they didn't have it together. The torch actually symbolizes their profession of faith. But Christ, without obedience to his teaching, betrays unbelief. Hmm. Oil represents salvation. They all look alike, but Jesus knows the difference. There's a term I don't use anymore, CNEs, Christmas and Easter's. These are people who come to church on Christmas and Easter because they're good Christians, and good Christians go to church on Christmas and Easter. You never miss. You count on them to come. And they think that they're in a fellowship and relationship, a saving relationship with the Lord. No, that's not how this works. Christ knows the difference. It's okay to sleep. Everybody needs to sleep. But when you wake up, if you, got not, if you have nothing to do to get ready, you're in good shape. You're ready to go. If you need to get ready, usually it's too late. If you wake up in the morning and you've got the big final exam and you haven't studied, it's too late. If you wake up in the morning at 7 o'clock and your flight leaves at 7.15, it's too late. If you wake up in the morning and you're 65, those were the days and you haven't thought about retirement, whatever that is, it's too late. If you wake up in the morning at 7 o'clock and the ship is getting underway at 7.30, it's too late. It's called missing ships movement. They don't wait for you. It's a big problem. And it almost never happened. It almost never happened. I'm trying to think of a time when that happened. Probably it did, but I don't remember it. It was very, very, very uncommon. People took that seriously. So, five have oil and some, some don't. They ask for the oil and they say, well, go and get it. Oil is associated with the Holy Spirit in many ways. Oil lubricates when used for that purpose. There's little friction and wear among those who are lubricated by the Holy Spirit of God. Things work better. We relate better when the Spirit is involved. Oil heals was used at a, as a medicinal treatment in biblical times, and the Spirit of God brings healing and restoration. I have an oil stock that I've had for a long, long time. 
this one. Matthew, you got yours? Come here. So this is mine. I don't know if you, you can't, probably can't see it. I've had this over 30, that's 30 some years. So I always say this is like the American Express card. Don't leave home without it. Can you see a little bit of difference there? Okay. So we use this, we use this all the time. I take it with me wherever I go because very often there's a need for it to, to, for healing. Use it in baptism. Use it at last rites. Very common. Oil lights when it's burned in a lamp and where the Spirit of God is, there is light. Oil warms when it's used as fuel for a flame and where the Spirit of God is, there is warmth and comfort. Oil invigorates when used to massage. The Holy Spirit invigorates us for his service. Oil adorns when it is applied as a perfume. The Holy Spirit adorns us and makes us more pleasant to be around. Oil polishes when used to shine metal. The Holy Spirit wipes away our grime and smooths out our rough edges. Spirit is a very, very important ingredient in the life of a believer. They ask for oil, but they're not going to get it because salvation is not transferable. I would love to be able to save my children. You would love to be able to save your children. I would love to be able to save my grandchildren. I can't. This is something that is between God and the individual. You never stop praying. You've had people that brought, were brought, young people brought up in the church, baptized, confirmed, Sunday school, youth group, whatever it might be, and then off they go and it'll just take a whole new turn. Never stop praying. I didn't come home to God until I was 33 years old. And there's people that have taken longer and longer and longer than that. So never stop, never give up, never die. It's a hard teaching. And Jesus gives it often. He talks about things like the, the narrow road, the narrow door. Um, I tell you the truth, I never knew you. Those sorts of things really hit home. I think of people in Noah's time. Here he is building this oak, this ark, this boat in a desert. And they're all laughing at him. What an idiot. Hey, Bozo, what are you doing? When is that ever going to, when are we ever going to need that? And then the waters come and the flood comes and they're not laughing anymore. Now the door is shut and it's too late. I saw a cartoon one time and the two unicorns are looking at each other as the, as the ark floats away and one says to the other, was that today? Don't get caught. The door's now open, but it's going to take, it's going to be shut one of these days. We need to take advantage of that now. We don't, because we don't know when it's going to end. We don't. About a month ago, some people up in Lewiston, Maine said, Honey, I'm going to go bowling. I'll be home about 10. Honey, I'm going to go down to the bar. Well, I'll be back. 18 of them did not come back because 18 of them were murdered. None of them thought that that was their last day on earth. None of them. They all went out on a mission. They were going to do something, and they were going to come home, probably something they'd done 100 times before. And it was their last day. They didn't know. Were they ready 
were they ready? Because they don't get another chance to get ready. I think of three years ago or so when Greg Graham, a beloved chief of police, Greg Graham, went up for a spin in his plane. Something happened. We really don't know what. <clears throat> Crashed. last his last day on earth. His last day on earth. I loved that man. He was amazing. I went... Uh, i just tell you a quick story. So some, one of our prisoners was in the hospital having a very difficult time. Um, wasn't life-threatening, but she was very emotionally upset about something. And she was in the ER, and there was an accident, da-da-da-da-da. Anyway, in comes, and I'm trying to calm her down, in comes a police officer. And the guy is like, Man Mountain, Montana, big, burly guy. Oh, boy, this is going to be great. Oh. Now comes the Inquisition. And he walks in, and he is the best. He is asking all the right questions in just the right way, calms her down, answers her questions. He's funny. He's great. He's amazing. I'm walking out of the hospital, and I hear the Lord say, go tell Greg Graham. Go to the chief of police. I said, what? And at that time, I don't think I'd ever even been to the police department. So I walk in, and there's a, there's a desk, and I walk in, and there's a young officer up there. And I said, he says, can I help you? And I said, I'd, I'd like to see the chief. <sighs> you want to see the chief? I said, yeah, Chief Graham. <sighs> What's like up here? I go, uh, okay, I just, if he's here, I'd like to see him. <sighs> chief, there's someone here who would like to see you just for a moment, just for a moment. So out he comes, and he's got on his desert boots, you know, the, the usual route. And I, and I knew him. I know him. And, I, and he says, hey, Father Donkin. I said, Chief, I need to talk to you about one of your, one of your boys. He goes, <sighs> I said, we had just had a, a situation in the hospital in the ER, and in comes officer so-and-so. Yeah, I said, he was amazing. You need a thousand just like him. He went, oh, thank you so much. <coughs> I loved him. He was just a great, great guy. You never know when you're going to leave this earth. You're going to hear something in the prayers of the people today that will come to you as a shock. I know I am. You're going to hear that Bishop Vitalis' wife, Monica passed away this week. Yes. Very difficult. The funeral was yesterday. I've got a picture. Over 2,000 people attended the funeral. Kathy and I would have gone, but there's no way we could have gotten there because of, from the time we found out. So I'm going to try and go in December and spend a week. Um. But she did not know that this was her last day. She had had surgery in Dar es Salaam. She came back, and she had gone to visit her mother, I'm assuming with Bishop Vitalis. And she went for a walk and didn't come back. And the next day, they found her dead by the side of the road. I'm talking to people, and they're trying to investigate to see what happened. And they were going to do an autopsy and they were going to do forensics. But they had the funeral yesterday. And I don't know how quickly the Tanzanian 
authorities can do those things, but there's a lot of unanswered questions right now. Please keep Bishop Vitalis in your prayers along with his four children. They're aged like 19 or 20 down to 10. Little girl Grace, then Asante, a boy, Samuel, and Irene is the oldest. I've texted with Vitalis. I've, I've spoke to him one time, but he couldn't talk. And you can imagine, so unexpected. And as I find out more, I'll relate it to you, but just keep them in your prayers. But again, an example of we don't know. We don't know. Distant, expection, distant expect, ex expectations make us secular. I got plenty of time, no, no rush. I'll get to that later. Right now I'm busy with my job, my family, my this, my that. You know, I got a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to do. And that's, I'm just going to put that on the shelf for now. But I know where it is and I'll take it down when I need it. Okay. Near expectations make us ready. Some say a dramatic conversion is all you need. I went to the crusade. I raised my hand. I said the prayer. Hallelujah. Checked the box. And then I went home and lived my life the normal way. True faith is accompanied by a changed life. I've told you the statistic of Billy Graham crusades. If 1,000 people go forward in a year, 100 people will still be active in the faith, 10%. Right now in Managua, last night and Tonight, they'll have another one with Shake the Nations. And they were expecting last night and tonight roughly in Managua for, for that ministry crusade, a quarter of a million people to come. How many came to faith? How, for how many was it real? I don't know. I don't know. And sometimes you'd get changed and you're different, but you don't know how to tell people. I've told you the story of, of I came to faith and as a, as a naval officer, I had the worst mouth in the Navy. I was awful. I could make a bosun mate blush, and that's hard to do. Bad. And so all of a sudden, God took that away. I just stopped. I'm an XO of a ship, second in command, and there was a combat systems officer named Chuck. Nobody liked him. Men didn't like him. The officers didn't like him. He's just not a good, not, I don't know. I'm working late in my cabin one night, about 2 in the morning, actually, and he comes in, and he gets down on his haunches next to my desk. And I said, what? He says, I don't, I don't get you. I said, what do you mean? Well, you're not like any XO I've ever had. You don't react the way they do. You don't speak the way they do. You don't treat people the way they do. You're different. What is it about you? And I looked at him. I was clueless. I didn't know what to say. I said, I'll tell you sometime. I'll tell you sometime. Okay? The next day, we're in the Persian Gulf. The next day, he heard his back, was medevac to the States, and three months later, he committed suicide. Don't think I don't think about that. But that has never happened again. He noticed something different about me. He didn't know me before, but he knew me now, and it was not what he expected. And that's not to say that I'm so wonderful, but it was different. And I didn't know what to say. I said, well, I'll make a mistake. I don't know. 
and I never got the chance. I never got the chance. Sometimes that might happen to you. Somebody will come up and seek information <laughs> about faith. Am I willing and ready to tell them? And what you tell them, here's what you tell them. You tell them your story. You tell them your faith story. You don't get all theological. You say, this is what happened to me, and the same thing can happen to you. The lamp of experiential Christianity without the flask of disciplined Christian, discipled Christianity is like an experience of Christ without his teachings. And without that kind of obedience to his teaching, it betrays unbelief. Again, transformed life. Was it real? They all look alike, but Christ knows the difference. Wait a minute. door was locked. It's not going to open. It's too late. So what happened to you, Deacon Murphy, at the airport recently? What happened? And what happened? Even though it was their fault, the door was locked and I couldn't get on the plane at the airport. What airport was that? Tampa Airport. Philadelphia, yes, it was far from home. Couldn't just drive home. But Karen got to the gate and the door had shut and the plane was still there. The plane was there, the door was shut. Sorry, too late. You probably had that happen before, you know? something like that, and you go, well, they're not going to open it, you know, and you don't want that hap to happen on the big day, and I don't mean missing a flight to Tampa. When we teach only Jesus' mercies but not his judgments, we disfigure the testimony of the gospel, and the judgment parables are here to save us from being too late. What an awful thing. To be raised in a Christian culture, bred in a Christian home, confirmed, baptized, and convinced of certain doctrinal truths, even the second coming of Christ, and still not be saved. How awful it will be for some who are loyal churchmen to hear the words, I never knew you. Examine yourself to see if you, be, if you are in the faith. If not, flee immediately to Christ, who alone can save you. If Christ is your Lord and Savior, someday you shall hear the words, Behold the bridegroom, and your heart will be filled with joy. If you're not sure where you stand with Christ, come see me. Come see Father Tom, Matthew, Karen, Peg. We will be happy to sit down with you and have that conversation because it's too important not to have that conversation. We need now more than ever to be able to speak biblical truth. And what I'm saying to you is a hard word for some people. This is why when I go to the Gideon's lunch, there's 10 or 15 pastors out of 500 churches in Marion County, and they tell me, you're the ones who let us come speak. You 10, 12 churches are the ones that we can go to and speak about the gospel. And it breaks my heart. 
because a lot of people think this makes people feel bad about themselves. In England and Canada, there are now certain areas in the Bible that are illegal to preach because they're considered hate speech. Mm -hmm. And they've got people listening to see if you're violating their law. It's too important. It's too important. So again, if you're not sure, come see us. Because it's later than you think. Now, I want to play a video that Grace Daly did, and the title of it, well, the theme for that week was Be Ready.
Uh, I love that these young children are, are singing these songs and, and really receiving the truth of that, the word of that is, is just invading their hearts and their spirit, their souls and their minds. Um, and th that's Grace Daly who put these together. And thank you, Father Matthew, for that uh, offering as well. And just remember, it's later than you think. Amen.